Hello, everyone. Welcome back to On the Record. Um, I'm joined again by Matthias. Matthias. Hi, Adib. Good to have you. Uh, we're into February. Um, and in last week's Inside Wrap, um, the week's, uh, you know, a summary email that we sent out uh, from communications, people saw a picture of you in uh, a circus in the middle of Paris, nonetheless. So tell us about what happened there. That was quite an experience. I can tell you, I enjoyed it incredibly. Um, the purpose was the first kind of all-hands meeting that Aviv did since two years, where people, where employees came together basically for the first time. Um, you could say in that constellation, perhaps the first meeting ever, because Aviv has transformed quite significantly over the last two, three years. It used to be nine different assets in different markets. It's now really becoming one company. Uh, more and more technology solutions uh, that are shared, uh, more and more cross-divisional cooperation and a real uh, one-company spirit that is developing. And uh, that event took place in a circus called Cirque d'Hiver, which means like kind of winter circus, one of the oldest uh, and I think the only circus in real kind of... Uh, brick and mortar. Brick and mortar, exactly. So um, uh, that was a spectacular setting and it was an incredible atmosphere. And I was I got interviewed in French, which is quite a challenge. I've never done an interview in such a, such, such a big audience uh, in French, which is not the language that I speak uh, at all uh, uh, in an acceptable manner for French people who have high standards regarding their own languages. So, but uh, it was fun and uh, I really enjoyed it. And what Aviv has achieved is incredible. Um, so let's talk about that. What have they achieved? I mean, it's one of those really business units within Axel Springer that I, I feel myself in my role that we don't talk enough about. Right. Um, as I said, Aviv is becoming uh, one company while we speak, and that is quite a challenging process. It is... Um, in a very good position to be the European market leader and the European consolidator for digital real estate platforms. And uh, that's the business that they are shaping uh, in kind of various geographies, but also with uh, different elements from the kind of traditional matching proposal uh, to a uh, seller lead focused business model of Meilleur Agent, which creates complete transparency about neighborhoods uh, and their price levels and each house in a transparent uh, way can be evaluated. And that is, uh, I think, quite a game changer for the European market. And uh, out of these different assets, Eid, Fonke and uh, his team uh, are now forming this one company. And that this company is, despite this kind of very challenging transformation in difficult times, don't forget pandemic, war, everything is also hitting and affecting a company like Aviv, that despite all these effects and despite all that transformation work, 
they have met or even exceeded their budget for 2022 on the revenue level, absolutely in line uh, with budget with a almost 6% growth. And on the EBDA level, even ahead of budget in a double-digit amount of million, that is quite remarkable. And I, I cannot thank enough the, the whole team of Aviv what they have done. And, and, and again, the spirit that I could feel in that in that uh, circus uh, where people got awards and uh, were basically celebrating their success, that was very uplifting and so different if I compare that to, let's say, a year ago uh, or former visits that I did in Paris. Um, this is really new. It's a new spirit. It's a completely excited team. And I'm very optimistic about Aviv's future. That's great to hear. Um, on a different note, is there any news on And the by the way, I have oh, to add that please. I also saw the new office building of Aviv, which is in one of the best neighborhoods of Paris, Boulevard Haussmann, uh, incredible neighborhood, uh, at the same time, very elegant and very kind of branché, as we say in French or hip, as we say in English, or I don't know what we say in German. However, it's it's really a, it's a really great neighborhood and they have beautiful offices. So every Aviv ma uh, employee should be super excited to move into these offices, I think, from May on. Fantastic. That's, uh, that is exciting news and we'll be sure to uh, uh, to plan a trip to take some nice pictures for everybody to see. Um, on a different note, I did want to ask you about the strategy project that is ongoing in Germany uh, at Build and Welt. Is there any news? Well, we are working hard uh, to come up with all the details. As we have said, we will um, give the kind of most detailed uh, level of information uh, by the end of February. Uh, and until then, we are still working on the details. Uh, but then I think we create that transparency and clarity about the growth initiatives and about kind of uh, new structures and more focus on market and clients uh, and the savings that, that come with it. Uh, and all that will be presented by the end of February. Let us, as we usually do, uh, change gears uh, pretty dramatically. Um, On a geopolitical level, uh, in February 2022, um, the invasion uh, of Ukraine by Russia uh, happened. It's a year on. What's your view of what has happened since and what's your assessment overall of where we are geopolitically yeah. in, in Europe? As, as It's as a terrible said. war. Uh, it is, in a way, an avoidable war. It is a war that was announced and was to be expected. And nobody should say, I was totally surprised. You didn't need to be surprised. And by the way, I have to say that if you read media of Axel Springer, you were informed about that risk, about that danger, about that more and more concrete threat over years uh, since the annexation of Crimea. Um, we were criticized for being Russia phobe, which was absurd. We were just warning about a, a more and more totalitarian regime and not blaming the people in that country. However, the situation is as it is. The war goes on. What I also find interesting, if you're talking about the broader political picture, how views are changing. I remember very well when the war started and we had some commentary saying, well, only a policy of strength of NATO members is going to help and is going to shorten uh, the war and uh, help uh, Uh, the Ukrainians to defend our freedom. Uh, the consensus was this is escalating the war. This is leading to a nuclear explosion. It's irresponsible to say that. And meanwhile, uh, you could say the, the German foreign minister Annalena Baerbock uh, is, is compared to these positions 
a very, very tough hawk, which I personally find absolutely right. And I think she is playing a very good role in that uh, crisis. But what I find so fascinating is how views are changing. Who was talking about delivering weapons at the beginning was perceived as a war monger. And um, today it's almost a consensus that that is necessary and perhaps that we are not even doing enough. Uh, And the the other thing is, uh, what do we learn from that? That is for me perhaps the most uh, important question. And how is it going to end? Is it going to be a wake-up call for democracy or is it the beginning of the end or the beginning of the decline of democracies? But does that, doesn't that lead to almost Francis Fukuyama's clash of civilizations in a different, in different systemic, um, yeah. in, in, in a different systemic setting between autocracies and democracies? Isn't that? 100% the prediction of Fukuyama that the, the kind of free and liberal society model has prevailed and that's basically the end of history and these totalitarian systems are on decline has been proven unfortunately completely wrong. I loved the book. I really adore Fukuyama, but his prediction was completely false. The opposite is true. We see the rise of autocratic and non-democratic systems all around the globe, and that is quantifiable in in a lot of uh, statistics. And very concretely, we can see uh, what happened with Russia, and we also should not be naive about what is happening with China. And that is the next chapter in this very fundamental uh, kind of defense of democracy, which is either going to happen successfully or uh, unsuccessful, and then uh, we are in trouble. And, you know, just uh, last week we saw, you know, what happened in the U.S. with the spy balloon from China. You know, that does lead to a lot of questions, as you say, of... It's just a symbolic symbolic event, and I, I, I don't really know... The real story behind it is probably very few people only know or nobody, but it is symbolically showing how um, concrete that threat is, how easy things can uh, escalate. We all remember also the visit of Nancy Pelosi to Taiwan and how China reacted and how suddenly people who always said, well, China is only a business superpower. They will never, ever do anything on a military strategy basis. Suddenly, everybody said, oh, yeah, actually, they are very active in a very traditional military sense. And uh, I mean, it is, uh, I think, a topic that is way too complex for for such a short conversation. But I can only uh, say that I personally think Russia, the Ukrainian war, is only the beginning. That is a kind of forward of what can happen with China, where there are so many dependencies, particularly in Europe, with regard to business in China. And if we do not rethink that, and if we don't come up with a different trade order and a kind of more value-based foreign policy and trade policy, then I think uh, the likelihood that sooner or later an economic superpower that has economic dominance will also influence and will also dominate policy and will dominate our way of life is this likelihood is very high. And so I think at the moment, and I truly mean it, the, the, the situation and the escalation is at the same time a threat and an opportunity because perhaps it is a healthy learning experience that we have to defend our rule of law and human rights with more um, uh, seriousness and perhaps with certain sacrifices that we have to make in the short term in order to have the long-term stability of our wonderful open society. 
Last time we talked in the setting, it was pretty fresh. You know, we had the uh, World Economic Summit uh, just a day before, and Stoltenberg spoke, and, and we spoke about the topic as well. Do you still feel optimistic about the resilience of democracy um, two weeks on? Uh, I'm sure you've done a lot of thinking. Well, I mean, the, it's hard to say, but so far the short answer is yes. I think so far Putin has achieved pretty much the opposite of what he wanted to achieve. Uh, transatlantic alliance is re-established. Uh, European countries are cooperating. NATO is stronger than ever over the last decades. And uh, there is an increasing level of uh, alertness for the threats. And with that, perhaps uh, more resilience uh, in order to defend um, or more defensive um, spirit in order to defend our uh, open society model. Matthias, thank you so much. And we'll speak next time. Thank you, Adib.